This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. If you don't fight with your spouse, you're missing out on the opportunity to learn more about what really means something to them, what their vulnerabilities are, what their sensibilities are, and what matters to them. That's where you figure that all out is when you're fighting. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill. And Nicole Hill. And today, we're talking about how to improve communication in marriage. Marriage can be tough, and fights are inevitable. But after the year we've just all had, you may be asking yourself, is my relationship doomed? Well, fear not, my friends. Our guests today are here to help. Kim and Penn Holderness are the marital duo behind Holderness Family Productions, best known for their hit parodies on social media like Christmas Jammies or Baby Got Class. Kim and Penn have established a worldwide fan base with more than 1 billion views and 5.3 million followers across digital platforms as they continue to be one of the most sought-after content creators for family brands. And don't forget, they're a adorable and funny. Absolutely. I would completely agree with (laughs) you, Nicole. (laughs) Drawing from 16 years as a married couple, the Holderness crew is now bringing their trademark sense of humor and complete vulnerability to their first ever book entitled Everybody Fights. So why not get better at it? The book is available this month. Welcome to the show, Kim and Penn. Hi, guys. Hi. Thank you so much for having us. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here. We are thrilled to talk to you. And let's just dive right into it. Why did you guys decide to write this book together? Because we needed it. Um, no, we, we needed the content <laughs> yeah. of it. You know, no, no, yeah, we need like we needed we needed to teach ourselves how to be better at it. We, you know, it, it really kind of hit home when we started working and living together, which I know you guys are familiar with. After I quit my job and we started this company, that we needed to communicate better because you know the, some of the fights that we had when we were just married to each other were easy to deal with. When you add working together to it, it, it kind of exponentially increased. Yeah. And I, w- I don't think there was like one single fight that set us over the edge. Yeah. It was like a thousand different interactions. And it really, I think it gets, you add kids to the mix, right? Yeah. And so after that time we had small children, communication was not a priority for us. And so I think something we did do well and it gave us credit for is we reached out for help and we got counseling for it. So we we didn't the car wasn't totaled by the time we took it into the shop, you know? So but we did we did the maintenance and we fixed a lot of things and I feel like we became a resource for friends that that knew we had we were very loud and proud about going through counseling and we would get a lot of phone calls from friends asking for advice. I'm like if these four people need it, then probably a lot of other people do too and we've made a living but putting our lives on online and what you see in three minute chunks is not, not the total picture. Yeah. That was the other part. I mean, we definitely, I think everyone just thinks that we walk through the street with jazz hands, you know, all the time. We get comments all the time. Like you guys are my, you're the perfect family, like hashtag relationship goals. And we're like, Oh, we got some information that can maybe <laughs> let you guys know that we're just like anybody else. 
so this became the manifestation of that goal of like, yes, we do have jazz hands on the internet, but read this book to see what it's really like. Is that right? Absolutely. I think that we wanted to be incredibly honest with people and it'll be interesting because people do know us for like the song and dance and the jazz hands that to see if people identify with this, because although this book is funny and it has some funny parts, it gets real. And we try to be really honest about some huge stumbling blocks in our marriage. And I'm a child of divorce, right? So I was super careful in picking and I was not, I mean, the divorce was never like on the table. We were not like on the brink of divorce, but man, we weren't all that happy. You know, and it wasn't like maybe we were. We just didn't realize that we could be more happy. Like we were. I think we, we were, were fine. We were uh, ev- fine. everything's relative, right? Like we were fine. Now we're great. Yeah. And you know? it's, it's really we have a lot of fun. And I think we're able to with kind of the magic words that we've mm-hmm. learned kind of avoid some pitfalls and like avoid those potholes in the road. You know, once we hit a bad patch, we know how to talk through it. And so things that would fester for a week are now like, you know, like a 20 minute just, and then we get on with life. Well, that sounds magical, especially as Nicole and I are listening to that. So let's talk about how counseling really supported that mission, because that's a taboo subject for a lot of couples. How did counseling help you? So for starters, and that's a good point. And I'm like thinking about old school, like the trust tree in the nest. And like, there's always like the one guy who you know, it's usually the guy, let's be honest. Usually the guy is the one who doesn't want to go to counseling because we think that we can fix it all ourselves. So here's how it worked for me. We went into counseling without me realizing it. Like it was, <laughs> we went to a, we went to a marriage workshop with our pastor. Who's also my, like one of my best friends. And then we were starting a podcast and we're like, Oh, let's bring him on. We'll just talk about something that, that we did last week. And then all of a sudden, he's, but we went to sessions before we started a podcast. Let's like be really clear. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but okay. L- let me rephrase it. The, the workshop happened. Okay, we then we had a conversation with him in our backyard. It wasn't in an office. Yeah. And like thirty minutes later, wait, are we in the middle of a counseling session? <laughs> and we were. And it was so. One of the big reasons was Christopher, and you'll see this in the book, makes you incredibly comfortable. He's not there to blame people. Most counselors aren't. They're not there to blame people. They're there. They're there to talk about how you can medic- communicate and get through it, not who's right and who's wrong. And like so, we've each gone, and we also worked separately. So I've been in therapy a really long time. But we, and I think that it's really important in doing a disservice to people if you wrap shame around that, right? Mm-hmm. I think that maybe one of the reasons if we're leaning into gender stereotypes that men have trouble with it is because I think and you, you love your wife, you love your partner and you want to fix it and you want to feel like you can fix it. Well, sometimes you just need like you take your car to the mechanic, like you need some an expert help, even reframing it. And I think it was important for Penn to know like this isn't a forever thing. We don't go once a week for the rest of our lives. Right. So it's like you get the tools yeah. you need and then you you can kind of go on your way. Well, but also. I enjoyed it like from the get go because it wasn't what I expected. And it's there is a stigma and there's a reason that, you know, I think we're going to need the women out there to help the guys read the book and we're going to encourage them to read it together. There's just that kind of dipping your toe in the water for for gender, you know, being stereotypical for guys who see it as a sign of failure and a sign of, you know, not doing right what you were supposed to do with your family. Like if we've gotten to this point, that's my fault. And that's how they feel when 
someone says, let's go into therapy. It is, I'm telling you. Well, in, and, in, in our, in our circle of friends, it seems to be like, it is like been the female partner drive. There's always one that's, that's dragging him in, but I would love it if people found really insightful things from our book, but I would also love it if they need something beyond that. There's no shame. I'm like, I'm the biggest fan, especially now you could do over zoom. Like <laughs> therapy yeah. is so, so easy. I love that you guys are trying to shatter that notion that it's wrong to go or, you know, you need help or you're at the brink of divorce if you go for help because Andy and I are not strangers to that either. We've gone as well and we found it to be extremely helpful. So you're in good company. Like, yeah, And I had the same reaction as Penn too. I'm like, yeah. ah, if we're going to counseling, that means I failed. I'm a failure of a husband. Until you went. Until I went. Until we went to my first session. I'm like, no, this is like a physical trainer who's getting right. us into shape. It's a coach. You know, it's a coach. Yeah. Like if you were getting coaching for a sporting event, like if you played tennis and you needed help, on, I'm using sports words. Are you impressed? No, it's like yeah. if you wanted help, like on your backhand or or some sports. You're so words, bad at tennis. Oh I'm God. so bad at. Like, let's try a different sport. Do dancing or like basketball. Well, anything. You would, just, you would never sell. <laughs> You would never, you would get a coach. And so that's why in the book, we actually call him our marriage coach because like he's a coach and, you know, and I think that it's so important if, if you feel like you need. And so we basically take the best of those conversations and typed it all up. Let's talk about the wizardry that is coaching or therapy. What steps did you guys take out of that to improve your marriage? For me, it was useful to have simple instructions and not like not dive too deep. I mean, we can dive deep into the problem on what to do. So he did. He gave us these things called magic words, which are uh, the backbone of the book. And a lot of them are based around letting the other person know that you hear them. I think that's probably the the basis of it. So some of the big magic words, and you guys are doing a great job because you just asked me to tell you more. Tell me more is is probably the most important magic word that you can have. And by the way, it works great with kids. Yeah, it does. Yeah, Yeah. they get in the car or they're, they're, they're being grumpy. They say two words, tell me more. And if someone tells you something in an argument or discussion, if you repeat it, or, or if you say, so what I, so I heard you say, and then you say it in these fights, all any of us want to do is to be heard. And you can't be heard if you're the one, if you're both shouting at the same time. So I'm like a lot of the best magic words are, and you said wizardry. So I'm using these because they're very, very simple that you just say. And it, sometimes it even like, it also can like buy you some time so that you don't say something stupid. You just kind of let them, the other, the other big magic word is I feel instead of you always, or you never, you always or you never is where we always go. We jump to hyperbole. So, I, I used to be horrible at it. And we both. Horrible at it. Yeah. And I'm like, well, you always say that. Well, no, yeah. Nobody always says anything. It's wrong and it's objective. And you're talking about the other person and you can't talk to the other person. What you can do is be subjective and talk about how you feel. So that's another one of the big magic words that we took out of it. You're diving into one of the things I absolutely loved about this book. I need to gush for like just one minute. So, <laughs> go, like, go. so the things that I like about this book are like, so many things. It's just written brilliantly. I feel like the fact that there is both things. There's number one, it's just funny and entertaining. Like I was reading it at my office and like ugly laughing. Like, <laughs> like So it was like true belly laughs entertaining, but then it has that other element like you guys are just going through right now, these like takeaways, words you can actually put into your mouths and use during your next fight. Like these key takeaways, tangible walk away, even worksheets, like those worksheets about 
after your fight, go back and fill this out, look at it, you know, look at each other's answers, try to see where each other was coming from. I love the fact that it's got like those key takeaways. Cause I do read a lot of books and then, you know, sometimes they entertain you for the moment and then you walk away and you're like, but it didn't change anything that I'm going to do today or tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you for oh, noticing I love that. It. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for saying that because I read a lot too. And I'm, I'm like self-help book queen. <laughs> so I was like, I don't want to write something that can't immediately tonight change how you communicate. Yes. Like I'm, I'm right now I'm reading a ton of books on like habit change and habit formation. And I've read like four different ones and I'm like, I'm still doing the same thing. So like, <laughs> tell me, just tell me how to do it. Like, tell me, where's my chart? Yes. Where's my graph? Well, that definitely came through in your writing. Thank you. As I was reading it, I couldn't help but Kind of also, I'm not sure if you're familiar with like the five love languages. You probably are if you're a self-help reader. I would imagine a lot of people are. There was some of this element coming up in my brain that, not that it was mirroring the five love languages, but I was starting to think like, well, are there different, maybe it's more than five, but are there different fight languages? We we read your question and it was our favorite question. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. First first of all, we hope that we mirror love languages in the sales department. (laughs) Totally. That's an impactful book. We would only be so honored to be on the same like stratosphere as as that book. So here's here's what we've, here's our beginning thesis and we're going to work on this because we've never been asked this before. It's a good question. I don't know if there's different fight love languages. I think there's different fight tactics. Right. So whereas a love language, you're born with it. Like I am acts of service. So he takes my car to get an oil change. I mean, he walks in and there's like bounce, a wow, wow music. (laughs) Like that is, he sweeps the floor and does the dishes and it's go time. Okay. You put your good leggings on for him. Your good yoga (laughs) pants. I mean, like I'm not gonna be able to change how I love to receive love. And so, but whereas a fight language, I know in my instinct is I'm a cut and run. My instinct. And I'm a pacifier. And he. So maybe that is that is our language. That, but, but yeah. But whereas your love language, you 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 can, I mean, you can, I guess you can change because you know that like how your partner needs to hear it. But I know like I don't need to, I don't want to identify with being a cut and run. And he like the minute I would start crying, he would just be like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And that doesn't solve anything anyway. That was the hardest thing, you guys. So I can't do that all the time. I can't just say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry and pacifier. I have to stand my own ground. And which I'm, is annoying sometimes, I gotta say. But I, <laughs> right, sometimes I kind of like to. But the fight, like honestly, some of the fights go a little longer now that we've like <laughs> well, been using yeah. some of these tips. But we come out of the other side like making actual progress. Sure. So to like, but to answer your question, I think that there are fighting habits that you have rather yeah. than languages. I, I don't think that you should pigeonhole someone into this is how you fight and this is how you're always going to fight. Right, whereas like the, the difference in the love language is like, if this is how I identify, which is I'm a cut and run, here are like the actual steps but I need if, to like, run on. What if there really are five love languages? We could make so much the money on that. Fight <laughs> It would be a little mean-spirited, but... Book number two. Um, it's just like a parody of the other book. We would just, yeah. That's our next book. Thanks for helping us come up <laughs> Thank with Thank <the> you. <laughs> Oh, love it. Yeah, I like where you're going with that. And it does resonate with me. I think that you're kind of hardwired with those love languages, whereas your fight tactics can be worked on. You probably are with your fights as well, which is like a great point that like my instinct just from like, that's what I saw modeled. That was what, you know, my parents were like, I got, I went to boot camp because like they did nothing but fight. And I saw one 
would stonewall and was just silent and the other one just cut and ran. Yeah. So those are the habits. Those are the habits. Now, now so let's, I want to keep going with it because I'm enjoying this, this road. We're I, going I, down. There are things you can't change. You cannot change the fact that I have attention deficit disorder. I can't just like pray my way out of that. Or I can't like, I'm not going to, I'm going to have ADHD. It's the way my brain works. She can't change the fact that she has anxiety and occasional bouts with depression. There's a big, huge chapter about that. I can't just say everything's fine. Why can't you just be happy? So there are things that you can't change. That's the person that you are. And that leads to certain types of fights. Yeah. But it's not a love language that that's, I guess what you're stuck with is who you are. Yeah. Not necessarily how you fight. What about this whole notion of going to bed angry? Because I think that ties into the the fight language or the fight tactics we have. Like, for example, I like to go to bed angry. Same thing. Yeah. And like, I like look forward to it, but I would prefer. She also just knows that she can handle it better than I can. Well, I would prefer to yeah. have a good night's sleep. Yeah. Like, and I, I know that there is a benefit, like, whereas cut and run is my tendency, right? If you're not truly like avoiding something, sometimes a good night's sleep and a little bit of distance yeah. is what, I mean, we we're here, we are talking about how you need to face your, you need to communicate and you need to do the, but like sometimes a good night's sleep and you're not going to solve these problems, like by mm-hmm. staying up another three hours because we've done it. We've tried. Yeah. doesn't always work. One of the best realizations I had was when we started researching and we got into kind of, and we had some people help us with this research, but learning about how the human brain works when you're fighting really helped me understand why it was okay to go to bed angry. This was like in one of our earlier chapters, but there's a part of the brain called the broca part. part, I I always say broca because like when, because it gets broca sometimes, (laughs) (laughs) but it's the part that controls speech and pacing of speech. And when you are, in a stressful situation, this goes back to like when we were hunting saber tooth tigers or whatever, when we were, you're so stressed out. picturing you with like trying to chase the, a tiger. All of the yeah. adrenaline goes to certain parts of your body and it leaves the speech part. It, it like vacates the speech part. And so you really aren't able to speak when you're under a super stressful situation, particularly when you're like angry. So when someone says like, I can't even talk to you right now, I'm so mad. That's true. Like if you're in that kind of fight or flight part of your asymptomatic super, your asymptomatic system, sorry, I'm like trying so hard to talk like a scientist, but when you're in that flight or fight part, you can't talk correctly. Your brain won't let you, which means you've got to give yourself some distance. If you want to actually communicate. Don't do what I used to do, which is like get in the car and like really passive aggressively drive around town to like make a point. But yeah, sometimes it's solved by taking a few deep breaths or like walking around the block or just kind of cooling down for four or five minutes can sometimes be enough. As long as you come back to it. Yeah. I love to try to understand like the physiology behind it. Is that even a word? Like, you know. We're all going to pretend to be scientists today. <laughs> the physiologicalfication <laughs> of it just helps me. Yeah. I love it. Perfect word. But have you guys ever heard that? Kind of, it's like my favorite analogy. And I had to teach this to Andy because he's hardwired totally differently. He likes to like, let's hash through this right away. And I need to sleep on it. I need to sort through it in my brain. But the analogy tell me if you've heard it or not, is like a can of Coke. It's like if you shake up a can of Coke and you open it right away, you know what's going to happen. It's going to explode everywhere. That's me. But if you let it sit and settle, 
you can open it in a couple of hours and it's no problem. I've not heard that analogy, but it's a good one. I like to open the Coke right away and then yeah. clean it up with lots of rags and then we're done. <laughs> and it's fixed. It's fine. It's fine. See, mine would be like, we're in a fight. Okay, fine. Just open it up right in my face. I'll take the pain. I'll take the heat. Let's just de-escalate as soon as possible. This relieves the um, pressure. Because I'm a pacifier, right? Yeah. Right. Kim would just walk around just shaking walk, it all shaking it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. But see, you guys have found a way to come in the middle and understand that each other has those different tactics or those different initial reactions and then find a way to like meet in the middle and get through them. I love, I yeah. love it. There's hope yeah. for us. There's hope, baby. There's hope. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then, so you guys also talk in the book about like this whole, I love this, this whole, like you complete me, Jerry Maguire. I mean, so romantic on screen, but you call BS. You call BS on that. Tell us why. Tell us more. <laughs> I think it's hot garbage to think that one person is responsible for your happiness. He, he, he is the person that makes me the most happy. He is my favorite person. I remember watching that movie and being like, man, Renee Zellweger did not put up much of a fight. <laughs> but like, like I, but you, she, at a certain point, you have to be responsible for, for what's happening in your life. And if, if I can't come to him as a complete version of myself, what am I bringing to the partnership? Let it be known that I'm not always 100% every day. And he definitely, he definitely helps me on those days. But this, this garbage that like, I'll be happy, like once he's this, then we'll be happy. We'll be yeah. happy once this. No, you got it. It has to start yeah. inside. So guys want to be that knight in shining armor. We do. We pretend like we don't like fairy tales, but we want to be Prince Valiant. We want to come and sweep a woman off her feet. Everybody wants it. Sorry. That that doesn't necessarily make our partner happy that they feel like they need to be rescued or completed. What we should be doing is becoming our partner's marketing director and the audience to their story. We should be the, the, the best listeners to what's going on in their lives and celebrate their victories. And that is going to get you a lot more sex than sweeping your feet. Everybody wins. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. We'll be back to the show after a word from our sponsor. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing Coast Fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? <laughs> if you're interested in working with me one-on-one, -on -one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. 
Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. And use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. Let's jump back into the show. If we can transition a little bit to the business away side from- of things. Well, I mean, I don't want to transition away from sex. Sex, we can talk about sex what are you talking about? I, I've already ruined it for tra- myself. Before we transition, I just have to say something really funny. I was like going over in my head because I have ADHD when I was trying to explain the nervous system and the fight or flight. And the reason I was getting tripped up is it's the sympathetic nervous system. Even and I kept asymptom- saying, because of stupid COVID, I've been calling it the asymptomatic super <laughs> system for some reason, because I was thinking of super spreaders and I meant sympathetic super yeah. Feel free to use whatever you want to, but I'm just letting you know that I screwed that up horribly. There are so many new words that we say now that we didn't used to say. I don't remember saying social distance before a year ago. So Asynchronous. <laughs> Asynchronous, yeah. <laughs> I, I researched this thing like three years ago and now it's the words, the COVID words are creeping into my head so sorry that's okay that's okay i'll almost guarantee that anybody listening to it will it'll make sense they'll still think you're a genius we all have covid brains so (laughs) well i love it i love it you guys work together on a daily basis it sounds like so talk to us about your favorite things of working together as a couple I, I think we've become. I'm not. <laughs> um, you started smiling when you I started. I did. I, I think that we've become very like we like being around each other. Like we genuinely like being around each other. Yeah. And so on days, well, I mean, it doesn't really happen anymore. But he used to go or go on a trip or something. Like we would call each other twelve times a day. I think we we like being around each other. I like being able to like witness his like creativity. Like my favorite thing is I can say oh, we should do, like, what was the most recent, like, not even most recent, but like, I was like, oh, Hamilton's coming out on Disney Plus. We should do some sort of Hamilton thing. That's like all I said. And he's like, 20 minutes later, okay, let's go record it, whatever. So like, it's a fun, it's fun. Like, it's just really fun to see him in his element. But we have very different jobs. Mm -hmm. So we don't overlap a a ton. So that is kind of saves us too. Yeah, our offices, we've decided should be in different rooms. And they are. That's Mm -hmm. that's a good start. But no, I, I so for her... I think she's a great sounding board. You know, I, I always am going to get like a good, honest opinion one way or the other if, if there's an idea that I have. Also, she never runs out of ideas. Like the way that the kind of flow chart for our content, including the book, the idea originates here. You know, we're on our main platform is Facebook. That is a that is a page largely dominated by 25 to 49 year old 
women. And so whatever's going on in her head is going to be what we should be focusing on. So it's, it's just this faucet of ideas that never gets turned off. She's always kind of working. I think she's found a way just to kind of naturally look at the world and turn it into content. And I can maybe just help with the execution of it, but she's a genius. So my, my favorite part of working with her is that she's a genius and she's figured out how to kind of funnel that in the right direction. He's so sweet. She's blushing. I like it. Very good. (laughs) What about the tough things? Maybe this would be the unblushing moment. If one person says A and the other says B, how do you resolve that? Rock, paper, scissors? (laughs) (laughs) Rochambeau. There are a lot of hard things and we've learned a lot and I would say there is, there's, he'll work for eight. One of the hardest things is he'll work for eight hours, you know, shooting, editing something. And I'll come in and be like, I don't really like it. And that, (laughs) that used to drive me nuts. And that is hard. Yeah. Cause there's, it's not, so if somebody still drives me nuts, it still drives me nuts. (laughs) But you can do that to somebody you work with and you go home, maybe you're mad at them. You go home, you have dinner, like you forget about it, but like we'd walk 14 feet to the dinner table. So there's that. No, that's, and that part's tough. I mean, we try very hard to make boundaries, but it's still, it's, it's impossible not, especially if your, your job is based around family content. And I remember that fire hose I told you about, like the faucet, I think I called it a faucet. So we have this thing called fire hose that happens with Kim. I'll drop the kids off at school every morning, which our our kids go to, they're fortunate enough to be in this crazy independent school where they haven't gotten COVID and they can still go to class, which is great. So I pick them up or I drop them off from carpool and I come inside and Kim, remember I told you about the ideas. She just like, they just, just like hit, like they hit you right in the face as soon as you come in the door. And I'm like trying to go get coffee. And the funniest thing is it's it's adorable. She has this new thing. Adorable is his way of saying. Well, no, we laugh about it now. I'll walk in the door and she'll start by saying, and then we need to do like, and I'm like, how did you, and and then what was like, you didn't. I wake up at like 6 a.m. He sleeps, he sleeps later. So I'm ready to go. So he walks in the door at 745. I'm like, okay, and then we're going to do this. And then we're going to do that. And this is our day. And this is the setup. So that's challenging. Yeah. And there's an easy solution, which is. I stay in my car and hide for like <laughs> 20 minutes and I just, because I know it's coming and then, but then I know it's coming and I brace for it and then I get it. And by the way, like she said, she gets to work earlier than me. So I have to be ready to go midstream. Yeah. And there that, are a lot. Of, and I think the boundaries, like setting boundaries about, okay, we, we worked really hard to turn it off at five o'clock, you know, five, six o'clock. Oh yeah. I learned that. Like, whereas he can, he can dip in and out. He can parachute in and out of a project and email. He'd be like, but he used to be in bed and be like, Hey, do you want to talk about this? I'm like, no. The worst one was you were on the phone with Liz, her best friend. friend. And there was something, I, I, I mean, she had cancer. I don't think this was during cancer, but it was like after cancer and something else was going on, but whatever it was, I just gotten a phone call from our manager who was going to give us some money for a brand deal. And she was on the phone with Liz and I just walked up and I went, honey, Larry's on the phone. I think we got something going. Like she was literally in the middle of talking to her friend. Right. So did you see her face? Yeah. Right. So I I thought I was coming in and just saving well, he, everything. Like well, what, what he just thought, happened? He yeah. thought that work, because it's money, it's her yeah. mortgage, right? He thought that work was a, over a, a relationship, which was with my best friend. And that's no, it's, it's not. And so, and so, but he, he was like, he took that feedback very well. So now we, there's like, it was very, it was effective feedback. So we don't talk about work after like five ish. We don't 
I mean, we don't really have date nights anymore, but like it, we, we do our very best not to talk about work on date nights, especially he, he was a bad like Sunday nighter, like on Sunday night in bed. Okay. We have this, 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 like that doesn't happen anymore. So yeah. So that was, that was, that was huge. And it happens. Hard. I just don't it talk happens. about it. No, I just do it in my own head. Yeah. Well, from the business side of things, it sounds like both with Everybody Fights as well as what you guys are doing on the channel, there is a difference in your, I guess, your opinions on a win. I read in your book about the baby it's cold outside story, and that was a really impactful thing. You know, could you tell us a little bit about how that all came together, the joy that you had, Penn, and then how maybe that wasn't felt by Kim and that negative experience? That was a video that we did about two years ago. It was funny. We'd written it a year before it came out, which is not normally what happens. But when the Me Too thing was very raw and new, we wrote that song over Christmas. We played it to some friends and they said, oh, too soon, soon, too soon. soon. Don't do it. So we put it in a drawer. And then the next Christmas comes along and there's this crazy like national conversation about the song. And it was already written. So we went... We pulled it out of the drawer, we recorded it, and we put it out the next day. When you're in social media and you have a song that is both good and topical, that's what lets it kind of spread like wildfire. So it was the most viewed piece of content that we've ever had on our page, partially because both political sides thought that I was talking about them, when in fact I wasn't. I wasn't. I was just talking about me being terrified if I were a single guy taking someone out on a date. I would not want to get anything and, wrong. Because and also just like the original song, we're like, huh. it was a little, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When you look at it through the lens of today, completely different. But, yeah. any, but anyway, it, it kind of went right down the middle. It upped our subscribers and our follows by a hundred percent. And I just kind of was puffing my chest up and walking through the room and saying, you're welcome. And Kim didn't feel that way. And she was sad. She was sad. She was anxious. She was stressed. And rather than asking her what was wrong, I think I went to, why are you unhappy right now? Like, why can't you just be happy? And so yeah, it, when the yeah. videos go super viral, I actually don't really love it because yeah. the the community on our Facebook and YouTube and Instagram like they're so so and they because they've seen a silly video and they hit the follow button and, and it's genuinely very supportive when it goes super viral like especially like that one did you are on other people's platforms and people but they start attacking each other people were making the most heinous, gross comments to each other, not even to us, really. I mean, because the video was so simple, but it was, I mean, there was like, I mean, we, I was on the phone with Facebook because they were like threatening violence against each other. Like all these like really terrible, horrible thing because of this goofy, silly video we put out. So I was like, we need to delete it. It had like 75 million views. I'm like, we need to delete it. I hate it. Let's take it. And he's like, let's go running naked through the streets. This is amazing. And I'm like, don't you see? And so that just got to the the core of like, you can't really like how, how you receive something and your basic mental health, like there's no change in that. Yeah. So it was a good example of like in our marriage, like the sun is shining right. and I have like the, that, like that Snoopy cloud over my head sometimes. And by the way, this was something that we got to the other side of without therapy because we didn't, frankly, didn't have time. We were like busy doing other stuff. But this was, I think Kim did a really good job kind of once we de-escalated explaining like, this is who I am. I knew that she had dealt with depression, but until that point, I still thought it was my job to cheer her up 
And that was it. Not my job to help shepherd her through what she really is. And that was a kind of a turning point for us. And she patiently explained it to me. And I think I figured it out, but uh, on the, on the back end talking to Christopher, we did learn a lot more about, and you'll read from the book about, you know, little tools and tricks that you can do to keep it that way. But mainly it's just know what your, what your partner, what your loved ones, pressure points and stress points are. And those are never going to change. And you're not going to be able to fix them. You just have to walk with them. I've been trying to tell myself for oh, 12 years now to not try to fix the problems. And I think eventually I'll, eventually I'll get it. Maybe. No. Well, Hopeless. we need a little more therapy. A little more therapy. Get there. Sounds good. <laughs> now you say you guys got through that without therapy. Was that before you had started it or did you have the tools and you just use the tools yourself? We had some tools in the back pocket at that point. Okay, so Andy's going to make me ask a devil's advocate question because he says that I've inspired him to always think about devil's advocate, which I'm not sure if I should take as a compliment. It's a compliment. Yeah, but am I a devil in this scenario? <laughs> it's a bad like, saying. It's just somebody yeah, looks at a different perspective. Later. You should challenge. You should challenge them. <laughs> I'm always challenging him whether I like it or not. I have to. So <laughs> I've got tasked with the devil's advocate question. So if someone listening was thinking, so yeah, okay, my spouse and I fight, but everybody fights. And isn't it that old adage, like forgive and forget? What would you say to, to that? Uh, we actually have had plenty of people when we, when we kind of put out there the name of the book and we put out the book cover and everything. There have been a handful of people that are like, I've been married 40 years. We've never, we don't fight at all. Not everybody fights. And like there's, we've, we've had plenty of people mention that. And it's a really, it's a really good question. It's a very fair question. I got two things for that. Let's hear it. Number one, if you never fight, I'm a little worried about you. Agreed. I'm not kidding. Are you not talking to each other? Cause I'm worried that you are either a volcano waiting to erupt yes. or you're a dormant volcano. Like I'm, I'm not sure which one it is right. or, or you're just the most perfect people of all time. And congratulations on that. Well, then you're made of cardboard because that doesn't That's exist. <laughs> and this is more of a positive aspect to it. If you don't fight with your spouse, you're missing out on the opportunity to learn more about what really means something to them, what, what their vulnerabilities are, what their sensibilities are and what matters to them. That's where you figure that all out is when you're fighting. And I think that we establish, we have some really like very upfront, up I think one of the first things we talk about and like our fights aren't the fights I grew up with, witnessing, which was like slamming doors, insulting yeah. each other. Mine were like super passive aggressive. <laughs> My dad was there, like, he would be like, okay, fine, yep. <laughs> He'll be back in a second. So the dog is like, what is happening right now? Um, So I think that we we try not to raise our voice. I can't promise that never happens. We definitely do all of the magic words. We, we, so our fights don't look like there's not, there's not door slamming. There's no name calling. There's no swear. Well, maybe sometimes they're swearing, (laughs) but like there it's very, it's like, it's a discussion, you know, it's, it's a, it's, it's a really passionate discussion. So yeah, I would worry about you if you never fight. And I, I think that I mean, you're humans, like you're going to see the world differently at some point. And if you're not having those conversations, I I worry. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I think the whole like forgive and forget thing. It's like, if you forget, aren't you just going to end up in that same loop all over again? Yeah. You guys use a great analogy in the book about taking care of your car, you know, doing the repairs that are needed. And if you just say, ah, 
that uh, that tire is a little flat. I'll take care of it tomorrow or the oil's low. I'll take care of that in a week. Eventually, you're going to have a catastrophic thing happen to this car. And that's the last thing that we want to happen to anybody's relationship. So this advice is very helpful. If somebody's listening right now and they are just kind of jacked up about what they're hearing, they're like, all right, I, I want to improve our relationship. I want to get better at communicating with my spouse. What's one thing they can do following this interview to improve? Talk about how you fight. So the term is like meta communication, mm-hmm. which we didn't really understand what stood what that meant in the beginning. After the fight, talk about it. And and you don't even have to talk about the content. Don't talk about the content of the fight. Talk about how you fought, which is like, you know, what was going on at the time? Yeah. We call it the 30,000 foot view. Like were you, uh, what were was you going drinking? on? What was going on? Yeah. Did you had you had something to drink? Were you tired? Was something else going on in your life? That's the big one, right? There's there thing, other things going on in your life bleed into fights that you have with other people all the time. Yeah. So just kind of dissecting and even like I am a big just I'm like, hey, I know I called you this. I said you were acting like your dad right now. I shouldn't have said that. And so just not you're, you're not again, not getting to the content. You're getting into kind of the structure of it. Now, we don't really do that as much, but in the very beginning we did, and it helped frame the next our next discussion so we could kind of square up and be like, okay, be really self-aware that I'm like, I'm just not going to do that again. It's also like a sneaky way to take the first step toward counseling or, you know, just sort of self, like taking self-inventory. And again, Andy, we're the, we're the ones that are, we need the gateway, right? We need the, the way to get in. There's a reason that our biggest metaphor about why we should do this was about a car. Because we're, we're, we're guys, you know, like that. <laughs> other, he's the worst car person. So we're like leaning into stereotypes. Oh, God, I'm terrible with my car. Yeah. yeah. I don't, yeah. It's a, yeah. I'm way better with my marriage than I am with my car. <laughs> but, but we felt like it was a good metaphor for the book. I think talking about how you fight is a great way to start because it'll get you into a bunch of other places and it's in a safe, just yeah. really calm way. Yeah. It's also trying to make space for that. You know, if, if you're going from one thing to the next thing, as you know about busy parents right now during a pandemic, if you're going from kid activity to school to work to doing your side hustle and you're not making that time to be able to speak, then you're not going to have that moment for success and and, and transition and into the relationship that you want to have. So we really appreciate your time today, guys. I know we're a little over on our time. Where's the best place for people to learn more about you, follow your journey, and then find this book? You could just Google us or well, you could go to the holdernessfamily.com or you could go to everybodyfightsbook.com or you could look, I'm answering too many. You just Google us. It's probably like well, the, the, I mean, right, yeah, the easiest so, thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think everybodyfightsbook.com or yep. the holderness. Yeah, we're, we're around. I know you're like Aunt Linda probably <laughs> shares our videos on Facebook. So Ask Aunt Linda. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> where to find us. We love Aunt Linda and we appreciate her sharing all the stuff you guys had on Facebook. I'll put all their links in the show notes for everybody to check out. We really appreciate your time today. Again, we dug this book and I think a lot of people will too. A lot of people listen to this show. I feel like I could have asked you and had a conversation for six more hours and we still wouldn't have gotten to all of it. You guys are amazing. (laughs) Thank you for taking the time to read the book, by the way. Oh my gosh, it's it's a pleasure. We're enjoying (laughs) it. Thank you guys so much for your time today. We appreciate it. Thank you.
Well, Nicole, that was an awesome interview. I am just feeling like they are in our shoes and we're in their shoes. Of decade so many plus similarities. It's just, yeah, it feels like the exact same I know. situation. It's great. I feel like I could have had a four hour long conversation <laughs> and we still would have had things to talk about. I completely agree. Yeah. If you guys are interested in a book that might rock your marriage and really help things, yeah, check this book out. We've got some key takeaways from our conversation with Kim and Penn Holderness, and we'll go through them right now. Number one. You are not required to fix your spouse's problems. This is definitely a takeaway for me because I personally have been working on this for, oh yeah, over 10 years now in our marriage. It is one of those things where if Nicole's having a bad day, if there's something going wrong, I feel like I got to swoop in there and fix the problem. But really, that is not what is needed. What is needed is somebody to have a listening ear for you or be better at communication, just kind of being that sounding board to listen, actually purely listen and have that empathy for your situation. That was, that was a big takeaway for me because I am continuing to work on that even 10 years later. Yeah, I think like Penn said, it's like you want somebody to be there with you. You don't want to be sad and have somebody in there telling you in your face, be happy, be happy. Let me fix this. How can we fix this? You know what? Just sit down next to me and hold my hand and be there with me. It's a good takeaway for me. How yeah. about you? Okay, so one of my takeaways is you don't have to be perfect. Like, I love that they talk about people think that they always walk around the streets with jazz hands because we see these three minute clips where they're having fun and laughing. And, you know, you tend to think, wow, their life must be perfect or they must be a perfect couple. But you know what? The perfect couple doesn't exist. That is an image projected in social media, I think has like blown it out of proportion. And I've heard a statistic about like the more happy the posts on social media, the less happy <laughs> the person is in real life. So like there is a huge discrepancy there and not to say that they aren't a happy couple, but like, look, that happy couple is telling us that they fight a lot. And I love that they take that as, you know, it's not a negative thing. It makes them a strong, happy couple. But yeah, the key takeaway for me was you don't have to be quote unquote perfect or whatever that Instagram perfect look and feel is. And I just love that they show, you know, the, the genuine, real, like the underbelly. Yeah. You were looking, <laughs> I like how you were like Googling early, looking for that word, like Insta fake. Or yeah. Insta fake, fake book. But <laughs> None of those are like the translations right. of those or the Urban Dictionary definition of those aren't exactly what I was going for, but I think people get the gist. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, and I love me some self-deprecation and they are <laughs> not afraid to do that in this book. So that was a great takeaway for me. You don't have to be perfect. I love it. And then my last takeaway is number three, one size doesn't fit all. And I think I try to reiterate that a lot on this show that you know, there's not just one way of doing things. Everybody's situation is very unique. Everybody's personal and marriage and fighting and conversations are no different. These adages we talk about, don't go to bed angry or, you know, you need a partner to complete you. I think some of these can be dangerous, you know, or if you're thinking I need to have my life fulfilled by another person that might work for some people. And if that doesn't work for you, that's okay. You're okay. You know, you being different or not having to comply with these adages 
is fine. Some people threw those out there in the past and they work for some people. And if they don't work for you, that's okay. So that was my takeaway. Just because it's an old adage or just because it's been around for a while, doesn't make it perfect. Same sort of thing you're referencing too. So those are our yep. top three takeaways. No, nope, I had one more. Oh, you do. I'm I had sorry. one See, more. There you go. We've said this before. We'll say it again. And the Holderness family is reiterating the same sentiment, which is... There's nothing wrong with going to therapy. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, it's not a weakness. It's not something to be ashamed of. It's just getting a coach just like you would for working out, just like you would for working on your backhand in tennis or whatever, and just like you would get a mechanic for your car. So yeah, it is not anything to shy away from. Absolutely. Something to be proud of. Something to invest in your relationship. Excellent. Thank you, baby. That was fun. As a quick reminder, this show is for entertainment purposes only, my friends. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific situation. A big thanks to Dan Tappet for editing today's show and for Alec Collins and Dan Hines for putting together our YouTube videos. You can find those great videos at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash YouTube and hit the subscribe button there. That would make me smile quite a bit. We're over 2,000 subscribers now. Channel is growing fast. Before we go for the day, I want to encourage you to join our free Thriving Families Facebook community. Join me and more than 1,000 other families as we help each other thrive this year. One fun thing we like to do in that group is share our family wins. And our buddy Maxine just shared this awesome win with us recently in the group. She says, my tax refund just hit and I will be using it to pay off the last bit of my student loan and credit card balance. Once I do that, I will be debt free. Wow. What a feeling. That is so cool, Maxine. Congratulations. And and you're doing the great thing. You're using the newfound money to create the freedom in your life. That is so cool. Can I get a round of applause for our buddy Maxine? All right. Way to go, Maxine. So cool. Very, very cool. If you want to get inspired by others in our community and be held accountable for your big goals, please join us at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. That is a free Facebook group. We would love to see you there. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Dr. Les and Leslie Parrott. Marriage doesn't make you happy. You make your marriage happy. There's a reason marriage is the first word in this show, everybody. Let's all go prove it. Carpe diem. 